1: The story. Graham Staines was a young man who grew up near Brisbane and he spent uh, the next 35 years of his life serving lepers in a very sort of uh, remote part of India and um, raised a family there. He had three children and then in 1999, some radical people who didn't like what he was doing actually attacked him and, and uh, some of his children in a vehicle and they unfortunately passed away.
0: G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we're going to find out how a Perth school teacher came to write and produce a major feature film. The teacher's name is Andrew Matthews, and the movie is called The Least of These The Graham Stain Story. As we'll hear, Andrew has been involved in the entertainment industry for a long time, and he's sharing his story with Eric Scatterbo.
2: Andrew, welcome to the program. Thanks, Eric. And you are coming to us today via the telephone from a room inside the school that you teach at. Is that right?
1: That's right. I'm uh, head of performing arts at Swan Christian College over in Perth. Uh, That's my regular day job, and I love it. It's great.
2: And we're going to find out how you came to be the writer of this wonderful movie that I just saw recently. But first, we want to find out a little bit of your background and how did you get into the arts in the first place. So what was it like growing up in South Uh, Africa? Is that right?
1: That's right. I grew up in South Africa. I grew up on a cattle farm, so quite a long way from uh, making movies, but uh, yeah. God can do all sorts of things in That's one right. life. Yeah. So I grew up in South Africa. I grew up on a cattle farm. I was, uh, I guess, part of that maybe was that I was often alone and um, using my imagination a lot and uh, creating stories in my games. So perhaps that fed into the whole sort of creative side of things.
2: And it sounds like you kind of have an, an adventurous spirit. You've done uh, backpacking and military service. You've kind of traveled a bit.
1: Yeah. So uh, in South Africa back then, we all had to do military service and spent my two years uh, in the Army, which was an interesting experience. I guess I learned quite a lot from that. And then uh, I took off, uh, actually went to Bible college for six months and then took off overseas, backpacked for a year. and. Um, yeah, it was a, that was an interesting time because I really started questioning, I suppose, things that I'd accepted about God in those years overseas, and God really spoke to me, actually when I was working in Israel, which is an interesting little story. Yeah. Um, I was picking fruit, working there on a moshav, which is like a kibbutz, and um, you don't have any fellowship, you don't read your Bible, you don't pray, and after a while you start losing touch with that reality, and mm. everyone else around you doesn't seem to be doing that. and. And you, I got to the point where I was kind of like, well, God, I'm not sure that God actually exists. Hmm. And um, I remember as I was leaving Israel, I was leaving on a on a very early morning flight going back to London and sort of almost shaking my fist at God and saying, you know, you've got to prove yourself. Um, otherwise, I'm out of here. I'm going to just go and enjoy myself. Hmm. You know, when you're a young man, you sometimes just want to indulge those, uh, those desires that one hmm. has. And um, I got to London... And the very next day was Sunday, and uh, the people I was staying with had mentioned that All Souls Church was down the road, and I'd heard of John Stott. So I wandered down that way, and it was the the only day um, and the only service that didn't have John Stott preaching, but it had a guy called Josh McDowell preaching.
2: Oh, yes, I've heard of him. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and uh, he spent about 30 minutes giving me the closest thing you can get to proof that God exists. And,
2: uh, wow. Wow. So, God brought just the right person at just the right time into your life. And for people who don't know, Josh McDowell is a famous Christian apologist. In other words, a defender of the Christian faith.
1: Yeah, and I mean, God is just incredibly gracious because there I was being quite rude, quite honestly. And um, God just was very kind to me and answered that prayer and, and said, Well, you want proof? Here it is. And, um, <laughs> you know, Josh McDowell was at the university himself and got challenged to disprove the truth of the Scripture. And when yeah. he tried to do that, he found he couldn't, and that's what brought him to Christ. And um, so it was, it was an amazing uh, turnaround. I, I, I can't say that I found it easy to obey God, but I can't doubt His existence anymore.
2: Yeah. Now, can we back up a little bit? Were you raised yeah. a Christian, or did you have a faith before this?
1: Yes, I was. So I I, um, I made a commitment. Um, in our sort of tradition, I suppose, we often got confirmed um, around the age of 16, and I mm-hmm. went through that process. And I remember being very clear that I couldn't lie to God when I made those commitments. So I would say if there's a particular point at which I made a commitment, it was when I was around 16.
2: And then it was until later that you kind of had this experience where you kind of drifted away from the Lord? <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's right. I mean, you sort of fit into the culture, you try to fit in with other people, and, and then start to question, and that's what happened to me, I guess. And then this particular experience is one that I really remember, as one where I felt God was really speaking to me very directly and being very kind to me, and and that was a turnaround point.
2: Mm-hmm. So then, from that point on, you had a strong relationship, a personal relationship with the Lord? And then how did you get into the entertainment industry? That's not kind of like what most people do after Bible school. How did this work <laughs> out?
1: Yeah, well, again, you know, you, uh, people, people like me make silly choices sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it started with um, someone saying to me while I was overseas, what would you do if, um, if you knew you couldn't fail and money didn't matter? And I was kind of like, yeah, I'd go acting. I had a lot of fun acting when I was at school. I'd Mm -hmm. like to go and be an actor. And so when I got back to South Africa, I actually auditioned for the sort of the top acting school in South Africa, and I got in. Wow. And um, so I thought, oh, well, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll do that. So that's where it all started. And worked in the film industry after that when I came to Australia because South Africa was a very small industry and a lot of people were saying go and get some training overseas and there was an opportunity to come to Australia, which was wonderful. Um, Came to Australia, got uh, behind the scenes in the film industry and started working on various shows and film sets uh, in any capacity I could.
2: So you learned the entertainment industry from the inside? Correct. And kind of cut your teeth and learned all these uh, the ins and outs of making a movie and a television program?
1: Certainly some of those things. Sure. Um, You know, I certainly knew what it was like on set and think I learned a fair bit about what works and what doesn't work on set. So that's one aspect. It's a big industry and, and that a lot goes on. So there's all sorts of different aspects to the making a movie.
2: And then when did script writing come into the picture?
1: Uh, Script writing actually started when I was at uni, so a long time before. um, I was kind of treating it more as a hobby, I suppose. Um, When you're training to be an actor, you might write some stuff, you have to write some stuff. And I started writing some movie scripts. Um, I was not any good at it, but um, I did a number of courses. I loved doing that over the years. And then when I left the film industry, when I went into teaching, I I kept on writing. And uh, it was kind of like my... My fix in the morning, my creative fix in the morning, get up early, have coffee i 'm addicted to coffee now um, <laughs> i uh, I'd get up early in the morning and and spend some time writing and an hour of, uh, of being creative with a script was always quite a made my day better actually yeah. i felt i felt my day was better after that I was a better teacher after that actually
2: wow, so just writing it was just in your blood you just had to had to do it
1: kind of yeah i guess uh i cert- yeah i it's a you know, it's like some artists feel like they have to do something. Um, I feel like I have to write. I don't feel like movies have to be made up from my writing, but um, I'm very grateful to God that a movie is being made from my writing, but uh, has been made. Uh, but I, I just like writing. I, I love doing it.
2: And then you eventually met a director from India and made some connection with him.
1: That's right, yeah. So I actually did a job just before, uh, I think it was 2000, so it was about a year mm-hmm. after the incident with Graham Staines.
2: Yeah, now for people who are listening today and do not know who Graham Staines is and his legacy, could you kind of give us a background on Graham Staines' life?
1: Sure, yeah, of course. So Graham Staines was a young man who grew up near Brisbane, and he, um, at the age of 16, was shown a photograph by a missionary of a little boy of the same age as him with leprosy. And um, he started feeling God's call in his life to go and, and serve lepers over in India. Mm -hmm. And in 1964 or 5, he traveled over there as a young 20-year-old, 20-something, and he spent uh, the next 35 years of his life serving lepers and the little churches around that area in in a very sort of uh, remote part of India, and um, raised a family there. He had three children, and then in 1999, um, some radical people who didn't like what he was doing and felt like he was doing the wrong thing actually Attacked him and uh, some of his children in a vehicle, and they unfortunately passed away. But we believe that everything is under God's control, so that um, incident is the inspiration for the film. Mm -hmm. It's not the whole film, but it is um, one of the inspirational events of the film.
0: You're listening to the story. Today, Eric Scatterbow is chatting with Perth school teacher Andrew Matthews, who also happens to be the screenwriter for a feature film called The Least of These, The Graham Stain Story. Next, we'll find out more about the story behind the movie when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1 800 Pray for Me. That's 1 800 772 936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax, and this is The Story. We're continuing with Eric Scatterbo chatting with Perth school teacher Andrew Matthews, who was the screenwriter for a feature film called The Least of These the graham Staines story andrew is sharing with us the story behind the making of the movie which is inspired by australian missionary graham Staines, who was tragically killed with two of his sons in 1999 while serving in india before the break we heard how andrew met a director in india and they both were interested in making graham's story into a movie
2: And so you met this director, and how did the Graham Stains story come about as an idea?
1: Well, at the time, when I was over in India, it was um, about a year after, just under a year after the event had happened, and uh, most Indian people are very tolerant people, and they were highly embarrassed that a mob would attack not only Graham Stains but also those children and kill them. Mm, Yeah. one of the key things, I suppose, that had happened, and this is is public knowledge, so it's not a spoiler alert for the film. Mm. Um, When Gladys, the the wife and mother, was told, and she's also from the Brisbane area, um, she immediately expressed forgiveness and she Mm. held to that line. She still holds to that line. And uh, she was truly, I think, given the strength by God, the grace by God to do that. And that had a massive impact, and it, it just so happened that there were lots of witnesses at the time. They were all there, there were journalists there, and it was all captured, and it was broadcast across the nation in India. Her response, and of course, the embarrassment at what happened. I think the president at the time called it one of the black deeds of history in India. And
2: Yeah, I mean, how terrible was that here he was helping the lepers, I mean, the, you know, some of the lowest discarded people of society, and he's helping them, yeah. and then to yeah. be killed.
1: Yeah, you know, he was doing what what we value in Australia, you know, as the fair go. He's giving the lowest of the low a fair mm-hmm. go,
2: yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: which is part of our values, our culture, and of course the Christian value, and he was doing that, and he got killed for it, basically.
2: Yeah, yeah, so it's just a, a horrific tragedy. And so you were there not too long afterward to kind of see some of the effect of that incident on the people in India. Is that right?
1: Yeah. I mean, for years afterwards, even here in Australia, if you chat to an Indian person that always heard of Graham Staines, Mm -hmm. um, it made huge news over there. And so it was obviously a story that was kind of percolating. And then Anish Daniel was the director of the film, was percolating in his mind. Uh, so, at the time, I wrote a couple of other television shows for him, uh, for some of the television work he was doing, and we were getting on well together. And, and so we started working on this script, not knowing that it would ever happen. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it's you've got to go, okay, I'm going to work as best I can for the Lord. I put it out there, I do what I can, and um, we see what God does. And we're very grateful that God has seen fit to bring this to fruition and bring it to the screen.
2: Yes, and you actually spent some time in India visiting the leprosy home and other areas where Graham and his wife Gladys worked?
1: I did, yes, I did. Um I got very sick there as well. Oh. <laughs> uh you know, you know, the old Deli Belly. Um <laughs> yeah. you eat food on the side of the road and, and uh you you pay for it. Yeah. <laughs> I I traveled the trains, I went out to this area. Um, I, I visited the leprosy home, I met with people there in the hostels where Graham had lived, Graham and Gladys's house, I even stayed in their house um, subsequent to the event that built a, a hospital there in, in Graham's memory mm-hmm. and so the work continues uh, serving the local population there and um, I spent about six weeks around that area uh, researching, reading up, investigating and that was, uh, I wanted to get those aspects of the real background, the authenticity right. Yeah. And so obviously the story itself is partly fictional. You in a, end up having to structure it in a story way. And that was something we had to really think about. Uh, Anish and I wrote about four different drafts that, which had different main characters to try and work out how best to tell the story. Because it's not an obvious story to tell to start with. Yeah. And we, we were just so excited because what we eventually came up with was a fictional journalist and it works incredibly well because they're such traumatic events, as you know we've just been talking about here, mm, yeah. that happened. But the audience gets to see them through the journalist's eyes. And the journalist makes it possible for us to also look in on what are actually very traumatic events, but not to be uh, forced as an audience to go through those traumatic events. And that's mm. worked extremely well.
2: Yeah, and he's quite uh, antagonistic toward the missionary having people put their faith in the Lord.
1: Yes, I suppose so, but it, 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 that character is based on a sceptical character. So mm-hmm. yeah. uh, what happened after this event, because some people had accused Graham Staines of doing the wrong thing because you're not supposed to convert anyone in that part of India, it's actually against the law, unless a whole lot of certain um, terms are met or conditions are met, they'd accused Graham of doing the wrong thing and therefore deserving to be punished. And the Indian um, government appointed uh, Supreme Court Justice Vadva to go and actually investigate and do a commission of inquiry and so we st- we sort of put justice vadva's experience onto the journalist and oh, made it more immediate yeah. so he starts off as a skeptic mm-hmm. yeah. and then his findings the journalist's findings are really what justice vadva concluded
2: oh i see okay i was wondering if there had been an actual character like the journalist but it's kind of a composite of a few different people
1: yeah, yeah, and mm-hmm. and his 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 discovery, and then the true part of that is what he discovered. What he the conclusion he comes to is exactly what Justice Vodva comes to.
2: Okay, and we're not going to give that away. You have to see the movie mm-hmm. to find out his conclusions. And you actually went to visit Gladys Graham's widow in Townsville and uh, received her blessing to go forward with this project.
1: Yeah, that's right. Um, Gladys was very gracious. Uh, not an easy process for her to have to revisit and, oh, and yeah. think through all yeah. these kinds of experiences that she 's had to go through, um, but she very graciously allowed us to continue with the writing of the of the script to develop it and to seek funding investment and We were very fortunate to get all that together and and now the film and yeah she's been she 's been wonderful yeah I
2: mean so this has been years in the process. Mm. You wrote the script or you finally got a script that you liked and then what happened next?
1: We we got a script that we liked, and then um, again God steps in. Opportunities come up, and you just got to kind of grab them, I guess, when they come up and see what happens. Um, we uh, Nish met a gentleman called Krish Dunham, and Krish knew Victor Abraham, who then became the executive producer. And it just so happened that he was in India at a time when I was going to be in India for a script meeting, and we were able to meet and and pitch it to him and. And he became the executive producer of the movie and put the money up. And we then proceeded to get into all the processes that you have to go through of pre-production and casting and wow. trying to get it all together.
2: Yeah. So, were you there when they actually filmed the movie?
1: I was there just for the beginning of the filming. Um, I had to get back to a paying job, and uh, <laughs> I, I was there for the pre-production, setting everything up. So, uh, I had to go backwards and forwards for about three months just to help get all that set up, um, as in my producer role.
2: Yeah. So and you were then, also uh, an associate producer in addition to the scriptwriter.
1: Yes, that's right. So um, had a lot to do with uh, all those background contractual stuff that has to happen, mm-hmm. and trying to support the actual process that that one goes through when making a film. And, um, yeah, so, so fortunate to be involved in that part of it as well. Very exciting to see it all come to fruition.
2: Well, I was just going to ask you that. I mean, how neat was it? Now, you started off with a, a blank piece of paper and wrote this story, the script, mm. well, along with, uh, Anish, mm, who you met right, in yeah. India. And how cool was it to sit down in a theater and see the final product?
1: <laughs> wow. Well, um, that is that is um, that is very cool there's no doubt about it it is very very cool um, it is it is an did they do it process. the way you wanted them to <laughs> well you know a, a script writer never gets um, what you imagine is never quite what's on screen sometimes yeah. it's better sometimes not quite so good yeah. that, that's I think because you've been involved for so much, when you sit down and watch it in the theater, it's kind of like you've seen this movie so many times. Hmm. It's not quite as exciting as one would think.
2: (laughs) Oh, yeah, because you've kind of lived it and been through it a whole lot.
1: Um, So um, you're more interested in audience reactions, actually, at that point, and kind of going, okay, they're reacting well. That's good. That's good. (laughs)
2: Well, let's talk about audience reactions. It was shown in India
1: Yes, and um, we have been very gratified by the response in India. Um, there's been no controversy with regard to it. Uh, we were very careful not to lay blame in any way and to stick with uh, the message of forgiveness that, that Gladys espouses. And mm. and so they're going to take something very uh, strong from the film, which maybe Australian audiences won't take. Australian audiences will take something else from the film. Mm. Yeah. Uh, And I think that's what Indian audiences have been very, very grateful. They seem to have responded extremely well. And we hope to be strengthened to continue to be faithful uh, to God's calling on their lives through this film.
2: So it sounds like part of the legacy is Gladys Stain's reaction to finding out about her husband's death Mm. and the forgiveness. And that, to this day, is really profoundly affecting the people who see the movie. Is that right?
1: it's absolutely affecting people it's affecting me it's affected me mm, i yeah. i've i've you know you, you take you know it's like asking god to teach me patience <laughs> you know you're going <laughs> to be tested
2: yeah, you yeah. take on
1: a movie that's got forgiveness in it and you know you're going to have to start forgiving people and and i've learned uh, to forgive in a way that i understood forgiveness in a way that i wouldn't have understood it before and i've also learned to ask for forgiveness and mm-hmm. i think in just in my little world um learning to ask my wife and my kids for forgiveness that's powerful.
2: That's yeah, powerful. yeah. So it becomes very personal. It's not just in Absolutely. theory and pictures on a screen. It's it's real life.
1: Yeah, yeah. And so it's affected me and I pray it'll affect others as well, you know.
2: And are you finding that's some of the reaction that you're getting with, with people who've seen the movie?
1: Very much so. People, I mean, it's, most people that i 've spoken to who have have contacted me have been very moved by the story and found it very thought provoking um, you know i guess it 's not it 's not that fluffy kind of entertainment where you, you which is fine, you can have that, but this is this is going to provoke thought you 're not going to walk away going, yeah well, that was fun let 's move on I think it 's going to stick with you you 're going to think about it oh
2: you know. yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I definitely um, it makes yeah. you think yeah uh, about the so, sacrifice that was made, and then you know what would you do if you were in that situation where you mm-hmm. found out that your spouse had been murdered, yeah. And you're trying to be a good witness for your faith, but yeah. grieving at the same time.
1: And and you know that's uh, it's just I think it's just an amazing story of of resilience in the face of tragedy uh, with love and forgiveness. And it's true. It's not it's not made up. And um, it's a different way of living. It's it's a better way of living.
2: Mm, yeah. So. People might think, well, why should I see the movie? I just heard the whole story. But I should say there's a whole lot more to it. Is that right?
1: I think so. I mean, you know, I I can tell you a story here on the radio. It's not going to have the same impact as a story on screen. Mm -hmm. And um, God, you know, the Lord Jesus came and told stories, parables, Mm -hmm. and spoke to people's hearts. And I think, you know, the job, when you go to church in the morning, you, you get a, a sermon, we we get um, preaching, we learn from God's Word. This is a story, but story has a power of speaking to one's heart in a way that mm-hmm. yep. the preaching doesn't sometimes, yep. um, I would argue. And I think we need these stories to be told because they can make our lives better in a way that we sort of don't even necessarily comprehend with our minds
2: and it also just lets us know about our heritage and the heroes of the faith that have done amazing things.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree with that. I think Graham and Gladys are Aussie heroes, total yeah. Christian yeah. heroes. Um, they, you know, they weren't expecting glory. They they went out there. They were not at all big name missionaries. They they were not the fly and fly out type of missionary. They were the ones that stuck around um, for a long, long time doing the hard yards with really very little. Um, benefit and or parent benefit and mm. and God, uh, in His goodness, we pray will use this film to to honour uh, the sacrifice they've made.
2: And the reality is that nobody would have ever even heard of them if it hadn't been for the tragedy. I mean, so many missionaries are serving tirelessly behind the scenes. That's right. Without any glory or any attention.
1: Yes, and and God has you know chosen. This incident and given us, given me, uh, very amazingly the opportunity to be a part of it and to bring the story to people, and it's very humbling, quite honestly.
2: And lastly, in our few remaining moments, what has happened in that area in India after the tragedy?
1: Well, it, it's, it's gone on pretty much as it was. One of the great things is, though, that the the local Indian um, Christians have really taken on the responsibility of continuing the work there. Mm-hmm. And so the work continues. The, the leprosy home continues to function. There's the hospital there. Um, the hostels for children of Christian people from remote villages are able to come and stay in the hostels and get an education. And all of that is, is continuing to happen without... Missionaries coming in with actual the Indian people mm-hmm. running it, and that's 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 a great victory.
2: Yeah, so that's a wonderful ongoing legacy, mm-hmm. and thanks to you and your team and everybody who made the movie, the legacy is going to be even more widely known, and people will be inspired by his life.
1: We certainly hope so. Yes, and um, you know we 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 need to think of things from a, an internal perspective and mm-hmm. remember that. Uh, God sees things and counts things differently the way we do.
2: Amen. Well, Andrew Matthews, thank you so much for sharing that wonderful story and thank you so much for being a part of making that movie come to reality.
1: Thank you, Eric, and thank you for your time. Appreciate it.
0: That was Eric Scatterbo chatting with Andrew Matthews, who's a Perth school teacher and the screenwriter for a feature film called The Least of These The Graham Staines Story, which, as we've been hearing, was inspired by the lives of Australian missionaries Graham Staines and his wife Gladys. Two people who are true heroes of the faith. And through their lives, they've had a profound impact on the country of India that continues to this day. To find out more about the movie, the website is theleastofthesmovie.com.au. That's theleastofthesmovie.com.au. Well, thanks for joining us for Andrew Matthews sharing the story behind the wonderful movie. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story. I'd known the Graham Staines story. It took place in the state of Orissa, one state north of me. Of course, it happened after I'd already moved to the West, but it had made international headlines. Graham Staines is a modern-day martyr, and that was our goal. Our goal was to raise him in the lexicon of Christian martyrdom to the likes of Henry Martin and Adoniram Judson and some of those who gave their life for their faith. But Graham's work is a continuing legacy. He worked with the least of these, the people afflicted with leprosy in the tribal regions of Orissa. Krish Dunham was the spiritual consultant for the movie about Australian missionary Graham Staines called The Least of These. He also had a small part in the film. Krish will share what it was like growing up in India, how he became a Christian and how he became involved in the movie. All that and more next time. The Story